TNT, you're dynamite. <laughs> TNT. Come on. I don't know the song. I don't know the lyrics. I know the song, but I don't know the <laughs> lyrics, man. What's right? Come on. TNT. <laughs> That's all I can give you, man. T- all right. So, Carlito, we're off to the races. Another podcast. We're going crazy again, eh? Aren't you getting a little tired? No, not at all. Not at all. No, there's too many too many topics to cover. We got way too much to talk about. And today we got a good one. We've got a very special guest, Michael. What's going on? From MagCore. Yeah, MagCore Demolition. MagCore Demolition. So, we are going to talk a lot about demolition, abatement, and excavation. Cool. Any other shins in there? <laughs> that, that sums it up. That much. sums all the shins. Yeah. Yeah. In there, right? <laughs> All right, so Michael, over to you. Uh, we want to learn a lot about you. We met through DMing on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram yeah. Like I've met a, a lot of guys in this industry, which is great. And there are a few haters out there. Fuck you. Uh, that's about <laughs> it. But everybody else, I love you. That's about it, right? So, Michael, over to you. Tell us your story about how you got into this construction industry and why demolition, man. But before we start, go. Is this a Portuguese connection? No. No. <laughs> what? You're assuming he's Portuguese? Did you hear how fast he said that? No. <laughs> are you Croatian? No, Italian. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're basically, you're closer to my side exactly. than you are his close, side. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that we got the UN out of the way, can we get into the construction? <laughs> I hate the UN. <laughs> okay, Michael, tell us more about you, man. All right. I mean, growing up, my father's been in the construction industry for his entire life the last 60 years since he was 15 years old you know going through even later in elementary school grade eight grade nine like my dad would during the summers take me to work with him right so he by, tr- by trade he's a carpenter later on he did more GC stuff always kind of had a hand in construction one way or another um, through high school college took business took a different route in life I guess I got my real estate license started dealing with real estate nice. for the last, like four or five years that kind of led into financial planning, insurance, investments, that kind of stuff. About four years ago, when uh, we found out my wife was pregnant with my first son, I realized she was going to be off work for a year, making a fraction of what she would normally be making. So I went to my dad and I said, listen, like things might be tough. The road might be tough for the next year or so. Like, What advice can you give me? And he said at that time, he was doing some major renovations to three or four condo units. And he said to me, he said, why don't you see if you can find up a couple of guys even yourself, do the demolition for me. Instead of me going out and getting a guy, then why don't you do it? So one thing led to another where, you know, I found a couple of guys. Uh, for, the first few jobs were me and a few friends. And then I said, you know, what? let me see if I can actually outsource some labor. So I found a couple of guys. We did the demolition for him. And, you know, at the end of the day, when after everything was finished, the paycheck was pretty decent. I said, okay, you know what? This might be something that I can actually work on. You know, I kept doing what I was doing with the financial service stuff. And we were doing, I was doing this more of a, you know, side hustle, right? Like, you know, seeing what it could, what, what it could turn into. Because I'm a firm believer that you can never just do one thing ever, 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 because you never know what will happen, who might take your job. I kept on doing it for about six months. And I was just reaching out to a lot of contractors at that point, you know, introducing myself, telling them what we do, who I am. Because I have that sales background, I have a very good, I'm saying a very good, but I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that my relationship building and my communication skills kind of stood out from a lot of the others in the business, right? So the people action exactly, because of the real estate. Skill. Exactly, yeah. right? Like in terms of relationship building, like I, I have that good foundation where, you know, when I meet someone, 
you can typically tell right off the bat if it's going to be a good vibe or not, right? Of course. So not everybody gets along. Of course, right? you're never you're never going to Manny. <laughs> the line is behind me on the right. You, yeah. <laughs> Did you say people don't get along? Some people do not get along for whatever reason. You say a few words and they just hate you. What can I say? But yeah, that's actually so you're still hustling the real estate. No, no. no. So so as of last year, I gave no no up. no when you got started. Oh yes yes. Yeah, so I, you were still hustling the real estate financial services. Financial services, yeah, exactly, which is great because eventually we're going to actually be doing a podcast on financial services. That's fascinating because we need to educate more people about what to do now, tomorrow, and exactly. for the future. Right? So you're doing that, and then you're doing a side hustle of demo, demo, exactly, until the demo overcame the financial. Exactly. Well, so at one point in my second year of business, it was kind of a fine line. I'm like, I go to my wife, I'm like, shit, what should I do? And she's like, well, are you comfortable? I said. I'm never comfortable <laughs> and like being self-employed. I don't think you can ever be comfortable when you're comfortable. That's when shit hits the fan. Like I, I, I just, I don't, I'm not a believer that you can ever be comfortable being self-employed because there's always someone out there looking to steal your dinner. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. But after about two years in the business, I made the decision to drop the financial services. I sold my book of business and I just strictly focused on the demolition side of things because it just got way too busy for me to give the attention to the clients that I was having on the financial services side to give them the attention and the customer service that they required. Right. So it just wasn't fair. And I just made that decision that, you know, the demolition business is where I want to be. It's where I look forward to where, when, when you think of a Sunday, you're like, most people are like, Oh fuck, it's Monday tomorrow. Like I got to go to, I fucking love Mondays. Like Mondays to me is a start to a new job, uh, finishing a job, whatever the, you know, whatever we're working on. That's, that's what a Monday is to me. You know, one thing led to another where I gave, I sold that business and I strictly just focused on this and now just full-time demolition seven days a week, every single day, every, almost every single hour. So you're doing demolition, abatement, and you're doing excavation. Right. How did you, because not a lot of companies, I actually, I think you're the only one that I know that does all three. Right. Normally, I'd have to call three subs to do that. With demolition companies, I find that there's a few paths that they branch out to. Some demo guys will do demo, and then they'll branch out into disposal. So they want to, you know, it, it works hand in hand. Then there's the other route where, you know, you start off in demolition and then you might want to do heavy, heavy equipment. You know, there's the Priestleys, the budgets, the MGIs, all of those guys that, you know, they do big time heavy equipment. With that said, when I was doing both businesses, I was able to dump all my money that I was, whatever profit there was with Magcore, I was able to dump it back into the business to grow the business, right? That's so, great that I'm hearing you say that because that's really important. Like Tim said on Digital Fab, where a lot of guys forget to set aside money to put back into the business, man. I wouldn't be where I am today without putting, I was putting every penny. I still am. Most of my, most of my money is going straight back into my business almost every single month. I, I take barely anything from my company. Because you believe in your business and you want to keep on making it grow. Absolutely. You're not in here fly by night and just no. for this year, next year, and then I'll try something else. Well, exactly. We become a good contractor then. You don't start to juggle customers and juggle money, money to pay Tom to pay Tony to, you know, it's far too many Peter people Paul. Do that. Peter Paul, if you want to be <laughs> biblical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't. No, and it's a huge problem. A lot of people, we, we've been talking about people saving money in retirement. That's your first step is putting that money aside to your business and mm -hmm. making it number one. Any business, it's going to take at least, in my opinion, five years to set a stable ground. Like the first five years is a shit show. So like it's go, 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 do what you can do, build those foundations, build those relationships. And then hopefully in five years, hopefully 
there's a foundation good enough to help it run itself. You're still going to have to put in the hard work. You're still going to have to do what it takes. But hopefully after five years, you've kind of laid the groundwork that needs to be done. You got your stride. Exactly. You know where the, the negative is. You know where the positive is. Exactly. And you know how to build from those two. Right? Exactly. Going back to why the heavy equipment, that's just the route where I found... I wanted to be. That's where I wanted to grow my business. I wanted to add an arm of demolition that went hand in hand. A lot of the time when we were on job sites before I started getting into the mini excavators or whatever, there was two demo company or not, not demo. There's an excavation company with us there. We're doing the demo, taking a roof off. The guys in the back are digging a hole for the addition. And I'm a lot of the time I'm like, shit, like, why can't I do that? Like, why can't I be that one guy that just takes care of your demo and your excavation needs? That kind of leads into the segue for abatement. We're doing demo. You rip down the plaster wall. What's behind there? Your asbestos wrapped up. We'd identify it. We'd call the contractor. Contractor would come. Contractor would say, oh, okay, let me find an abatement company. Why can't I fucking do that? You're right? already so there. I'm already there. And now... I'm actually being called to other demolition companies' job sites where the contractor says, hey, we just demoed this. Can you do the abatement? The door is open for me to take more business. I, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world out of course. there, right? So this contractor's calling me to do the abatement. Well, why won't you just use me for A, B, and C, right? So that kind of... I, it's just, to me, what makes sense in the growth of my company. What, what is the most needed business i guess i don't know how to word it right now but no, well your business is a cause and effect so yeah. demolition is actually directly a tied to abatement exactly and also eventually is tied to excavation exactly what i've been used to is uh because lately i've been doing this and i don't think it's is it law yet i'm not exactly sure if it's on law and on on the obc of ontario that you have to actually test a certain age home before you demo because that's what i've done I don't believe it's law, but I, I, yeah, I don't think it's law yeah. yet. Right. So they're talking about doing it. But the thing is, I go in and I get the house tested. Funny enough is the last one that I tested wasn't about asbestos. It was right. about lead paint. Right. Yeah. So you're talking about a century year old home and there is lead paint underneath that latex and oil, whatever there is. So you cannot take a mechanical device like a Sawzall mm -hmm. and actually cut that because it gets airborne and lead paint becomes, you can tell us more about that, yeah. as dangerous as asbestos in the air Absolutely. and then coming into your, th so your lungs. Where we are right now in February, we, we just got certifi certification, all my crew, like my crews that do the abatement for asbestos, we're finishing our mold certification and then we're doing lead certification. So as of right now, we're doing, we're, we're fully licensed through the government of Ontario to do up to level three asbestos removal. And uh, we're, we're just wrapping up our mold abatement. And then as soon as we're done that, we're already registered to do to start the training and certification for lead abatement. Let's get into abatement. Level one, two, and three. Three is the most dangerous? Yes. And that's where you start doing the whole ET hazmat set, shutdown? Exactly. And, so okay. you pretty much... Whatever area you're working has to be pretty much quarantined, containment set up, tarp set up, poly set up. Depending on the job, you might need supplied air. Yeah. There's a lot of complications and there's a, you know, there's a lot of intricacies that go into the whole level three abatement. Sorry, I just wanted to make one little note. Give me one second no here. Real life at real life underscore DA. 
What's up, buddy? I just I, I was about to make a comment about millennials, and he actually asked me on a DM that he sent me to take it I easy on, to take it easy <laughs> on them. And I said I am taking it easy on them. And in all fairness, that millennial podcast that we did, it was the millennials that were actually dogging you guys, not Carlito and I, the older Gen X guys, right? So I just want to give you a shout out that oh, we'll take it easy. Wait, we'll, I, we'll take, I want because... to make a point that we're not that old, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still old enough to take care Some of a bunch of things. Some guys think I'm actually younger than the young. So I just wanted to give them a shout out because there are a lot of hardworking millennials out there that do a great job and we, we meet them and we work with them and they're great. But there is that stigma attached to them. So sorry to interrupt. I no. just want to give them a shout out and, and talk about that. So let's get back into abatement one, two, and three. Because the only reason my joke was going to be that, uh, you know, is it the ET hazmat? And I'm like, all you millennials don't even know what ET is, right? <laughs> so that was my joke. But um, you got one, two, and three. Tell yeah. us about that. So level one is pre- pretty straightforward. It, it all comes down to friability of the, like, the asbestos that you're working with. So let's say those nine by nine VCT tiles, right? All those lovely tiles. Exactly. Eh? So a lot of the time with those tiles as long as you're doing it by hand hand removal not power tool it's level one you spray it down with water and it contains the dust and then you can remove it you still need to be wearing your respirator but you still you know it, it's level one the the risk level is dropped right you have to still bag it a certain uh, of way. course you still have to dispose of asbestos yellow hazard, bag exactly clear bag after exactly hazardous like, waste duct, it duct still tape. has to be disposed of properly where is that getting shipped to these days same place last there, i heard was hamilton and then it was eventually going to the u.s yeah so a lot of the time hmm. it's honestly that's what i heard a lot hamilton takes it, it a lot of the time the sites that they go to are landfill sites directly so they get oh, buried really? on the landfill site itself yeah i didn't know that but yeah from the uh instructor that we did our courses with which was safe tech environmental they're great they told us that they have quotas that they can only take certain amount of asbestos per day and bury a certain amount of amount of asbestos per day as well that bag is it like let's get into it is it a six mil poly bag or is it greater than six mil it's six mil it's six mil so there's no risk of that bag being oh no it tears all the time yeah always i use them all the time i run into i run into problems all the time where we can't call a remediation company so what we do is we use mineral oil we soak down the pipes with mineral oil then we snap them we don't cut them we snap them because there's less dust Mm -hmm. and then we bag them automatically call the company up the company will actually come but we put these in bags and we try to you know keep them not heavy, but they always tear the bag. That's why the second clear bag's there for the first time when it rips. Hopefully yeah. it doesn't rip the second time. Yeah. So is that the reason? So they put it into the landfill, they buried it with soil, with earth, and then it just stays there contained yeah. and it doesn't get airborne and then we're fine. Well, asbestos comes from the, the earth, right? So naturally it's a natural mineral, right? Okay. So they just put it back into its natural habitat. Yeah. yeah our so lungs. number one. What? Sorry. What Our lungs. Crystallized. One of my favorite actors of all time, Stephen Queen, died from that, right? Yeah. So, And he admitted that he was a Navy soldier. Navy, uh, what is it? Seaman. Sorry. He was a Navy seaman. Of course seaman. he was a seaman. <laughs> <laughs> and he would scrape the Manny's pipes on the ship. Manny's story always goes that direction. <laughs> yeah, that was last episode, okay? Um, so number two. Level two. Level two, yeah, sorry. Level, level two, you need your containment. It all comes down to... Level three, you need a shower, you need a dirty room, a shower, a clean room. There's more precautions to a level three. Level two, you still need your containments. It's just that you may not need the shower, you may not need those things there. This is what scares me about demolition. I see the young guys walking around doing it with sometimes 
no masks, no respirators. Every a lot of guys. Yeah, and it scares the shit out of me because I get it. You're you're young and you're strong and you figure you're fine. But the thing is, you want to be old eventually one day. Yeah. How do we get these young guys to understand if they're demoing something and maybe something was overlooked that they question it? We know about the classic nine by nine. Those mm -hmm. tiles we know. So whenever yeah. you see something, measure it. Go well, ahead. let's talk about a big one. Nobody realizes that popcorn stucco has asbestos. <laughs> yes. In it. Yes, it does. Depending on the age, and same with drywall. Certain sheets of drywall, but I've been told, but you could correct me, is yeah. the two by four ones, right? Yeah. yeah. Those two by four ones might have asbestos in them as well, too. Also, there is a generation in the 90s that was, and before, but typically in the 90s, it was well known that drywall carried asbestos also. Well, this is and funny. compound. This is yeah, funny. Compound, yeah. Drywall compound yeah. does, yeah. So this is funny there, Michael. You tell me, though. I learned through, I think it was through Suprema when I was talking to them that asbestos-laid products were still being sold because the government allowed it up until the mid-90s. Mm. It was still inventory on the shelf, and the government actually allowed it to be sold. I'm not 100% sure on that. I know that the uh, sprayed-on fireproofing, I'm not sure if it still today has asbestos in it as well. Like, you well, it wouldn't be today. So that's 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. They would have still been selling products yeah. that still had asbestos oh, in them. Yeah. But I, I really want to talk about something that this is a very scary topic for most people. It's not so scary for me because I understand asbestos and but the new silicon guy. for the, Mikula. The new guy. The new guy. What's really important is you're safe when you see it. As long as it's not dusty and you haven't cut it and it's not airborne, it's fine. Asbestos is an amazing product. It's a bulletproof product. It's how to remove it or the proper guy to hire to remove it. Because yeah. even if you hire a proper guy, and I've hired many guys to uh, do rem remediations, there's always something left around the boot. Yeah. around a pipe at the bottom and you think you've hired someone to clean everything up and you still have that one little piece left yeah. but you shouldn't be afraid of it no exactly and like you said unless you're disturbing the product itself you're typically if you're not disturbing the product you're it's fine but the second you touch it you rip it you tear the paper that's on a you know a lot of homeowners will see their asbestos wrapped duct in the house yeah. and they'll be like oh shit like i gotta pay Two grand to get this thing taken down. Well, they'll no, be like, leave it there. We'll it, take it off, make a little kid toy out of it, let your children play exactly. with it. Exactly. Of exactly. course, you got to remove it. What's wrong with you? I know, but they'll do it themselves, right? So when yeah, they that's do it themselves, not smart. Their, their significant others, their children, everybody gets exposed to it. Listen, it, I was one of those bad guys at one time. Uh, I wasn't intelligent enough to figure out the budget ahead of time or put the stipulation in the contract. I was one of those guys underbidding. I was one of those doggy dog guys that would do anything to get that job. And then I'd find myself in a position where I was so young that I never paid attention to my retirement, my health. What's really important about growing old is about taking care of yourself while you're young. But and you're also doing this for your family too, right? That's right. You want to enjoy this for your family. Like, what, what are you doing this for? You, you, your family's okay, you go off and die? Like, it's you, you're doing this so you can enjoy it. There's got to be an end goal. Uh, <laughs> you go off and die. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the truth is, is he's basically bringing it to how it really is. If you get asbestos on your lungs and it starts to crystallize it stays there you're mm -hmm. done it stays there. there's mm -hmm. no fixing this no, there's no organ replacement there's no uh, growth of any kind or you're done it's a horrible death it's a scary thing so i guess we should just tell the listeners especially the younger guys that you should be conscious of this in homes as young as the 70s 80s yeah and any home that has even plaster in it right and that's 90 percent of homes in toronto that are existing homes you you go into the home and i'm gonna say for my demo company 
99% of the homes, 95% of the has homes. Has something. Well, not, not that it has asbestos, but it has something that could be. Popcorn ceiling is a huge one, especially huge. in condos. People I, don't realize. Uh, what is the exact square amount of feet that you're allowed to remove before you actually have to call them and then start to bag it properly? I, I think I it's like 10 square feet, right? Uh, like after 10 square feet. A popcorn ceiling? Yeah. I wouldn't mess with any of it. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure the exact, you know, requirement or exact code. I think it's 10 square feet. After 10 square feet, you have to get a remediation company to come in. The thing is, though, you take a trowel to that. That shit's going everywhere, right? Yeah. Like, you, you need to do that properly. You, it's best as, uh, popcorn ceilings type 3 always. Always. There's no safe way of removing that. Wow. It's type three. You have to set up your containment. You need your you need to literally tarp off poly everything, the the fucking ground, everything. You need it's type three. It's type Pretty three. Bad, man. But the problem, I didn't know that. A lot of guys is, are probably just scraping that's, it. Thinking. That's why that's why when I charge more than ten bucks a square foot and guys are doing it for three, I'm like the one thing that people aren't realizing is that after you've disturbed the asbestos or the popcorn ceiling. They think, oh, five, 10 minutes, everything's okay. These particles stay airborne for 72 hours plus. And then if they do settle, now you're pulling them up again off the floor, off the wall, and they're airborne again for 72 hours. Is it safe to say, is it worse during the winter months when we got the HVAC system and we got it oh, sucking sure. in through the cold air? 100%. And then it's actually circulating through the whole house? Well, anytime your HVAC system's going, even summer for AC, it's right? It, shut it, it down yeah, during sh demo. Shut it, but you're especially, de well, always demo, but yeah. always, like the way that uh, abatement goes, you're supposed to poly off every single duct, every single run, right? Like you're just supposed to literally tarp off poly everything contain everything right so if you're working in this room every door every window has to be polyed off duct tape everything wow. completely and then you have your negative air as well so you'll have your negative air machine at the wherever the exit point or wherever you'll have it you'll have the negative air machine because you need you need negative pressure in the room as well you know so it's it's not a game. it helps move the exactly okay yeah to clean the air and then especially level three a type three abatement you also need then air testing afterwards right to yep. make sure that the job that was done was done properly and then once you get your clearance on air uh, air clearance you could then wrap up clean up and get going and you spray that spray down the whole area to make sure that anything that was airborne or that could be airborne gets pretty much glued down to the poly and then you wrap up the poly and you know yeah throw it's it always yeah. sticky you're totally yeah. right Car yeah. carlito knows yeah. that i read a lot and i'm actually enjoying reading now in my 40s i should have been enjoying reading when i was in my 20s but i read a lot and recently i read a little report about the amount of percentage of insect body parts that are found in everyday food <laughs> This is a fact. Yeah. Or the how government, many spiders the, do you while you're sleeping? The no, spiders, the government yeah. actually has allocated a certain amount of percentage. So, Allowed. and I know that when you do the testing, the air testing later on, where I'm coming, where I'm going with this, is that there is a certain level that you can still get away with. It's mm. not a hundred percent clean right. of particulates in the air. Right. And what's that number? That I think it's zero point zero one. Zero. So it's it's pretty yeah, it's finite, close. Yeah, right? It's yeah, that's pretty. It's you're having more insect body parts than you are actually absorbing <laughs> yeah, asbestos. The thing is that you know the general public that the biggest problem is education, right? Like nobody's educated on it unless you 
either go through the courses or go out of your way to read about it. A lot of speculation. Exactly. A lot of concern, a lot of assuming. But then people also shit their pants the second they hear asbestos. You go outside, you're breathing asbestos. Everybody. There's the, everybody breathes in it's asbestos funny. every day. It is true. Day. And lots of radiation. Every, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a totally different topic. But yeah. And, you know, just in the, the air itself, you know, there's asbestos in it. Everybody, every single human being on this earth breathes in asbestos yeah. every single day. You know what's funny is when I, uh, when I watch people take pictures or sitting by an old building and there's asbestos going airborne they never removed all of it and people are like oh it's such a beautiful view i'm gonna take a bit and they're inhaling all this you, you know what's another big one ceiling tiles yeah huge you're right. what do you mean the ceiling. two by four the the, yeah. the what are yeah. they made out of what is that's full of asbestos. fiberglass yeah, yeah. Because it's commercial yeah. and it's fire retardant. Asbestos is the best. If not, I'm not exactly one sure. Of, yeah, it was, it's yeah. one of the best fire yeah. retardant materials yeah. ever. And created. binder, right? And like binder. It binds, yeah. And that's the reason why they were using it so well. But now we learned that it's killing us. Exactly. Ceiling tiles. Ceiling tiles. I was telling a contractor the other day. He does a lot of commercial stuff, and we we do work with him. He's like, "Holy shit, are you kidding me?" I'm like, "No, ceiling tiles. They have asbestos. A lot of maintenance guys. They just fucking pop it up, fix and whatever. They're so dry and puffy, like." You the second, smell the second you just touch tile. it, it yeah. just like it disintegrates, you know, like that's just, and a lot of them have ceiling tiles. I'm but so happy you said disintegrates. Most people say incinerates. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still want to get into demolition and I want to get into excavation, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more about abatement. Safety, like, so, so if there is something, what, what are your guys, like, what do you, like, as a business, you're a new business, how do you make sure your guys are safe? Well, supervisors on site, always, always, because, you know, laborers, not to knock them, they're, they need to be educated, which I try my best to educate 100%. them. 100%. But they always try, there's always going to be the guy or girl that tries to take the high Too road. Too cool for school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want to wear the fucking respirator. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a couple of those things. I think one of the biggest problems with I've been a stupid advisor myself. One of the, <laughs> one of the, one of the biggest problems with uh, supervisors is that they're under a timeline and a budget. And a lot of times they will allow things to slide. And that includes people's health, even including themselves. Mm -hmm. Another thing is we're still not there yet with masks and glasses. A lot of guys will take a P100 mask and they'll put it on and then their glasses will fog up mm -hmm. and we have to wear safety glasses. So one thing I always tell people is I have a one piece mask. A I, have full a, face. I have a huge nose, man. Yeah. A full face. And a P100 it will not allow the air not to go to my glasses. Of course. So I'll just get a full respirator mask and I'll put that on. Absolutely. What, yeah. what they should do is completely eliminate N95. N95, you know, should be just your basic site visit shit, right? But like N95 masks in construction, are, they're crap. They serve they're no purpose. They're fucking horrible. Like they're good for, you know, coughs and colds and shit, you know? But, you know, <laughs> they're, they're not doing anything for protection against dust. Like it's it just not... I see so many guys out there and like a lot of jobs, like I'll even go price them. I won't get the jobs, but I'll see why I don't get the jobs because the contractor himself is there with an N95 mask breathing in plaster wall dust and, you know... Protect yourself. Just fuck. I don't give a shit who you are. Wear a fucking respirator. Just you, you as a bare minimum. Even no asbestos. Just drywall dust. Just protect yourself. You have one set of lungs. That's it. Yeah. Once they're gone, they're gone. You know. Well, let's talk about. I mean, we're here for for you talking about remediation of like asbestos and so on. Fiberglass fibers are in drywall. They're in ceiling tiles. They're in insulation. Insulation. That fiber will actually go into your lung the same as asbestos. I, I've been reading more on that as well. And yeah, there's 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 a lot of people out there that are saying in 10, 15 years from now, they're going to say like those 
pink the pink insulation that has the fiberglass may be just as harmful as asbestos. Well, they're, they're I'm, just, I'm just laughing because we just dogged pink insulation on the last podcast. No, we didn't dog well. it. it. It's a it's a product. We didn't. We don't agree with it. It's a personal opinion. It. <laughs> um, we just called this the facts. It's, the facts are the facts until we can get proven wrong. And I'm, I'm willing to accept anybody proving us wrong because then we're going to edu- be educated a little bit more. Is, hello? But oh, what's that? Is that pink at the door? <laughs> no, I haven't got that knock yet. <laughs> no, but you guys are totally right. I agree with you on that one as well. Pink is not the uh, it's not a good thing to use in construction. But can we talk about one more thing while we're talking yeah. about masks? A lot of people don't realize that, okay, so I do have a full respirator. Yes, I do take the precautions of putting a mask on or glasses. But the most important part is what you do is you have a change room. Mm-hmm. It's important to do two things. Don't mix your contaminated clothes with your clean clothes yep. and wash them separately from your family's clothes because Absolutely. that asbestos, when it does dry and it's in your home, mm-hmm. your child can take it in, your wife can take it in. It's everywhere. You sit on the couch. Yeah. You know, like it's, it, and a lot of people just think that they can go home after they go no. home, they hug their kids, no. you know, or how it's about your dog? You. He's licking you. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's gone. True. That's a really good point. But the other thing I was going to say is also maintenance of these respirators. Yeah. A lot of guys would just hang them. What's the rule? What do you guys do? What I've been taught is the Ziploc bags. Exactly. Ziploc. Well, I give all my guys with the respirator Ziploc bags. Always, always, always. Right. And we try to keep it in a designated uh, job box, whatever labeled with my guys. And that's kind of where they stay. <laughs> this is one of, been one, one of my pet peeves. You know, you can go to Princess Auto these days and you can get the replacement for the Pelican case. But honestly, if you get that fresh Ziploc bag, you put your respirator in after your job and you put it into one of these hard containers, your mask will last forever. Yeah. Like it won't get scratched. I, I got to check the, them out. It's, it's actually very true because the instructor during the uh, training that we were doing had a hard box that she kept all her shit in. She's like, these masks are 15 years old. Not the obviously filtered, yeah. but she's like, they, they last forever if you take care of them. That's the problem right. is just people throw them in a, yeah. you know, whatever, squish them, crunch them, whatever, right? So they don't last very long. But yeah, you're right. They'll, they'll last a lot longer if you do that. Another thing, since, since we're talking about respirators, I love the clear lens. You know, I see a lot of guys always working a demo and their glasses <laughs> or their on one face respirator has scratches all over. And you could just buy a quick little lens, just like on your phone. You put it over top and after yeah. your demo, you peel away and exactly. throw it. And it saves your mask. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, another thing that a lot of people don't do is, well, in abatement, you have to. You have to be fit tested for your mask. So that means they, you'll send someone in and someone, you know, safety tech, environmental, they do it. They'll come in and, or, you know, there's another company, Abatement Technologies, they do the fit testing as well. But they come in and make sure that every single worker or whoever's wearing a, a, a respirator is properly fitted for their mask. A lot of guys just throw them on. If you have facial hair, it's not, it doesn't it, work. It's not working. You literally need to be clean shaven yeah, when you're man. wearing your... <laughs> What are you looking at me for, man? You look like a wild goat. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I saw two years ago, three years ago, 3M at the trade show, they actually had beard-friendly, full-face masks. Yeah. Did One, they? Did yeah. they? They do. Wow. They're out there, right? And you're great. this actually brings up a good point because in a few weeks, we're doing a podcast with Profasco, HD Profasco, and we're going to talk a lot about safety, health, everything like that, all those masks. And yeah, those masks are because we're not asking the guys to shave. God help us if we're asking the guys to shave, well, right? For me, they have to. They have to, really, huh? You can't be wearing a proper respirator with face Unless you get the beard one. <laughs> Unless they buy a beard but one. The but the beard one looks like a Stormtrooper helmet. I love it. It does, man, because it <laughs> keeps the space for the beard, <laughs> Listen, right? dude, at the point you put that mask on, you should already have accepted you're going to be sweating. True. You're going to be dirty. 
and it's going to get nasty over the next few hours. I've accepted once that mask goes on, it's like over the top. You turn the hat over and you're That's into it. work mode. Yeah. Forget about all that <laughs> staying <the> dry. And <laughs> <laughs> Classic 80s movie. Yeah. So can we can we go backwards and start maybe with demo with them demo. right from the beginning? Sure. We'll, well go before, we get it, before we get into demo, I wanted to actually ask you your sales pitch when you're dealing with, do you deal with the clients or the GCs more? I'd say like 70, 80, 75% GCs direct. And how are those conversations? Do they kind of roll their eyes when you start talking about abatement or how you want to handle a demo? And I'm assuming you guys are the kind of company that separates all your debris. Yeah. And it goes to different landfills. Exactly. And because you want to be more environmentally friendly. Absolutely. I love hearing that. Man. So yeah. that's amazing. Oh, yeah. that's I've only ever dealt with demo companies like that, right? Yeah. So yeah, I want to get back to the demo from the time that you actually start quoting and yeah. dealing with the GC, dealing with the client. As we progress, as we learn more, and now, now that we're taking on abatement, there's there's so many times where I actually have to either turn down a job or just say, I can't price it for you because there's so many GCs out there, not to knock a lot of them, but there's so many GCs out there that just want to turn a blind eye. Cafe GCs. Oh, you mean custom home builders? I mean... <laughs> Cafe GCs. <laughs> yeah. Cafe, the guys that stay in their truck and yeah. have the speaker on loud and yeah. let the whole neighborhood know that they're having a conversation Well, that's how they get more work. <laughs> oh, you're a contractor? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You know what that tells me? That tells me the vehicle you're driving is not properly sealed. <laughs> that's what it tells me. And, and there's a there's a lot of big guys out there too that do like a lot of commercial work. That I don't doubt it. I refuse to name names, but they, like I, I went to, I, I went to pray I went to price a job down in this uh, East End, and it was a house. They were building a sales center. I told him the nine by nine tiles in that basement likely had asbestos. He said, "Well, is there anything you can do about that?" And I said, "Yeah, proper abatement." He said, "Well, what about the cost?" I said, "The cost is the cost." Right off the bat, I knew that they wanted to avoid everything with paying extra to get those nine by nine tiles out. It's funny you bring up that point because the cost is the cost. It's kind of like spray foam. The cost of abatement removal or demo or excavation or anything like that or spray foam, they're all in and around the same ballpark. You guys have the same overheads. You have the same machinery, so to speak. Yeah. You're running simple. It's, it's all apples and apples. Yeah. You guys might be off maybe a few hundred here and there depending on the scope of work. But if you get a guy who comes in and he's dramatically less or dramatically high, there is a fish in the room. Yeah. Something is up, right? So, yeah. yeah, and I agree with you. Some GCs just don't want to deal with it. And I've had those conversations <laughs> before where they're like, why don't we just bury it? Why yeah. don't we just bury it in the backyard? Yeah. And I'm like, what if a few years down the road they want to build a pool and now yeah. they start excavating that and it goes airborne? We go back to respecting the next trade. Yes. If we hide it and put it somewhere behind the wall or in the floor... The next guy behind us is gonna get that. So why wouldn't I? Why would I disrespect the guys in the trades that I am surviving with or working with for the future to set me up to be sick? So back to your sales pitch, dealing with the GCs and the clients. My homeowner business, a lot of it comes from HomeStars. Like that, that yep. you know, we we push our HomeStars, and a lot of the homeowners, you know, as they should, do their research online. So a lot of them, you know, find us through HomeStars. Um, and then through our website and whatnot, but the, most of our business is direct to GCs or for commercial. A lot of I've 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 been finding more and more lately that all the commercial work we do is the unit or building owner themselves that want to kind of GC the jobs themselves. You know, I pain, love that pain in the ass because they don't really know they don't everything that goes into it. 
So while you're there, what are okay? Let's get all the contact information out there. We should actually we got to start doing this at the beginning, like we're pros, well, man. Well, his contact information. So the, the Instagram is at Magcore Demolition. Magcore C O R. Yeah, C O R Demolition. And then your email or your website? Uh, Magcore dot C A dot C A. Yeah. And then uh, email? Uh, Michael M I C H A E L at Magcore dot C A. If you want to give up the phone number, uh, it's four one six eight eight seven eight eight three three. Cool. And we'll revisit that contact information at the end there. While we're on that topic, we always do a huge, massive shout out to Skylux. This is Skylux Studios. Skylux. Skylux. Um, he's allowed us to produce this squat. show here. And <laughs> squat, squat here. Um, thank God he believes in what we're all believing in is changing the industry and making it a better place for all of us, not just for one individual trade or one individual person. Thank you again, Mark from Skylux. He cares uh, about the construction community. We, we definitely want to. We definitely want to put major, major shout outs. You know, soffits, siding, flat roofs, and roofs. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Back to, we all know those horror stories of the guys that they want to have the conversation just to make themselves feel good, but they want to really try to get you to say, oh, you don't really have to do that, but you're never going to say that. No. When I first started, when I was looking and taking literally anything that I possibly could, I may have just, you know, I don't know enough about it. Sure. We'll, we'll do that. But now I just can't do that. When you know what you know, and just forget about the money, it's about the liability, which nobody wants to think of. My workers, when they if they were to get sick, who's that coming back to? That's on to me, you. right? So it's, it's the workers, it's the homeowners, it's the general contractors. You can turn around and be like, hey, we hired you to do this job. You knew that that was asbestos. As a GC, even though you've asked me to turn a blind eye, if something happens, you can turn back on me. I'm the one with the training. I'm the one with the certification. You can turn back to me and be like, hey, we got sick or something happened. <laughs> and, and you know, it's funny about that. And I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing. Uh, I'm crying, but I'm laughing. <laughs> Is that you go get that job and that guy convinces you to make shortcuts. Yeah. He says he's got your back. But the minute the shit hits the fan, he's, he's the first screwing one to turn you on over you. and Absolutely. selling you out. Absolutely. Because you have no friends at the end of the day when it comes to lawyers and suing. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to demolition. Demolition guy's the only, always the one to get the fingers pointed. Always, yeah. always, always. I think it's even more important. Like uh, Homeowners and other contractors, I, I mean, I'm guilty for this. I get a demolition company to come in in the past, and I mean many years ago, get them to price something, and it's just not in the budget. You know, somebody convinced me to do a three-piece bathroom for under $15,000. I never left the stipulation that the tiles were asbestos, that the ductwork was covered in asbestos, that there was lead pipes, lead paint, and I was naive to all that. Now, even more important part about hiring someone like you is you're going to remove and clean that. You're like a cleaning company. You're not just a demolition company. You're removing all of that dust and crap that needs to be removed so that guys like me and Manny can come in and be safe and work healthy. Absolutely. A lot of our jobs that we do, we bring air scrubbers to every single job. So even if it's not asbestos, we have an air scrubber there just for the health of my workers and health of the people that are on the job site. It just, we leave it running constantly while we're working, changing our filters as we go. And we always have air scrubbers on our job site. Yeah. And they're not cheap. So (laughs) like when you see a price from a demolition, you have to understand there's foggers in the air, there's air movers, there's Mm -hmm. your machines are huge and expensive. Yeah. They're not cheap. I know. One air scrubber, even a tiny one's over a thousand dollars. Let's talk about how expensive masks are. Like yeah. a full mask is two hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. The respirators are fifty-four dollars sometimes going yeah. into charcoal. 
I mean, yep. a lot of people don't realize you can't keep using that same mask for 10 jobs. Exactly. Even though guys do do it. Oh, of course. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I try to, if for abatement, one time use for your, your filters, they're done. But when it comes to just regular jobs, every other job I'm giving them, or whenever they even ask for them, if they want them every job, they get them every job. Otherwise, every other job, they're getting new filters. It, it depends on how long the job is. And if it's a very dusty job, regardless of, you know, if there's no asbestos, then obviously we change them even multiple times throughout a job as well. Where are you getting all your stuff? Uh, suppliers it, over the years. You mentioned HD Perfasco, so I get a lot of the stuff. Uh, there's a few of them. Uh, Mississauga Hardware, Tony, great yeah, guy. Yeah, uh, Tony. Love, love Tony. But yeah. I get a lot of my stuff, um, you know, equipment, jackhammers, uh, anything. Like, I'll, I'll typically reach out to Tony before I even go grab anything. Well, that, wow. that brings up a point. <clears throat> What kind of tools? <laughs> we like, we, I don't, I'm not going to assume anything. What kind of tools are you guys using here these days? What brand Brands. are you guys using? Are so you? my jackhammers, like manual jackhammers, Bosch, uh, just in terms wow. of the... Yeah, Bosch. He, man, so for people that can't he, see and only hear, Manny's totally smiling. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so Bosch, Bosch yes. And then on the battery-powered side of... I haven't made a decision yet, so I'm kind of stockpiling between Milwaukee and De DeWalt. So I'm just kind of, you know, stay on that side of the fence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're both all, good brands. It's all yeah. personal I, preference. No, I don't, yeah. I, I, and battery wise, I personally would say Milwaukee's a little stronger than DeWalt, but it depends. We use a lot. We do a lot of concrete cutting as well. Okay. And the um, the Milwaukee concrete, a uh, battery powered concrete uh, quick cut, nine inch quick cut, the DeWalt one's so much better. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. I, like even, that. I haven't yeah. gone on the battery train yet, man. Like, I, I don't care to own a battery miter, yeah. table, quick cut. Me neither. I hate it, but I have it for the job where we need it. Yeah, right? because so, you guys are flying in and something needs to be cut right away. You yeah. don't need to set up this, set up that. Exactly. You just get it going. But power-wise, I just, I'm not a believer that those battery-powered stuff can come close to your regular powered tool, right? But like, also, in, in fairness, you guys are demos, so what I normally do is electrician comes in, kills all the power except for one, and then yeah. you run the lines exactly. to everybody, because yeah. last thing you want are sparks going on. Of, of course. Right? Of so course. now you guys got to deal about charging batteries and things like that, so that's exactly. Well, I only think the really big one is the jackhammer, the reciprocating saw. Yeah. And those are pretty much our primary tools, like yeah. almost on every 99%. But you need to have cordless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you, just, need to, the, you exactly. just need to have a place where the batteries are charging, yeah. and the bottom on the totem pole keeps changing those. Exactly. Yeah. So back to demo. I guess there's different ways you attack the demo depending on each job. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of people, you know, I'll get phone calls weekly, and they'll be like, can you give me a price per square foot? I don't do that. What is that? How, I, like, how do you answer that question? You haven't seen the place. It, it drives me nuts. And, like, guys are like, oh, you know, but just give me a rough ballpark. Uh, you know, it's 3,000 square feet. I said, what materials am I removing? They're like, oh, you know, just like, you know, what's hardwood and laminate? I said, how many layers of floor are so there? The hardwood glued down, nailed down, exactly. stapled down. Exactly. With tile, is there dry pack? Like dry pack's going to be a pain in the ass. Like is it wire mesh? Is the wire mesh stapled 3,000 times all in valid one points, foot? man. Nobody thinks about it. And it drives me up a wall that guys are like, give me a price. Let me see the job. I'll see it to the best of my abilities. Everything that I can see and you can see, I'll price based off of that. Anything we can't see will be an extra and discuss later. That's the first sign, and I seen your face. Uh, I, I seen your face. Uh, <laughs> I seen your face on this podcast. Okay, Willis. <laughs> uh, you said something very important. A lot of people just aren't paying attention to that at all. And one of the things that is my big pet peeves when, like you said, you go into and you kind of feel if a person's a good person or not a good person, or if they're trying to get a second or third quote, 
if they're serious or not. Someone asking me how much you charge a square foot is typically someone just looking for a price mm -hmm. and they're cheap. That is a union thinking pattern because all my buddies that do square feet, they're all in the union. Yeah. So they charge by square foot. There's that 3000 was... square foot house. Uh, I'm going to charge two bucks a square. You know, yeah. that is Carlito speaking right now, just to clarify. <laughs> Definitely things. me speaking. And we all know the truth. Yeah. So well, it's important that you go in there and assess the location. Every job. I can't give you a price. I'll price off of drawings all the time. Like I, you, you'll send me a, a deck of drawings. I'll price off of it. But at the bottom of my quote, every single time, price valid only upon inspection. Always. I'll, I'll price a job. They'll fail to mention what I'm removing. And I have to make assumptions. So if I'm removing hardwood, I'll make an assumption, but it needs to be validated. It needs, it needs to be inspected. And just too many guys out there. I mean, you said budget. You know, if we can talk about that for a second is that I understand everybody's on a budget, that you need to be on a budget. You need to plan. That's part of planning. You need to pay for what you get. And I went to go see a job uh, in Richmond Hill. It was a full gut of a bungalow. And I gave the guy the pr a price and he's like, oh, I have someone for $6,000 less. I said, good luck. Have fun. I said, you're going to be calling me or someone else to finish that job because disposal alone was the cost that this guy apparently got for his job. You need to understand the value behind it. I understand demolition. Your mind goes to just some grunt going in, smashing a wall, but there's so much more to it. And the guys that we want to be associated with are the guys that understand that there's a reason you're paying more for me versus the average Joe, because you're getting a lot more. You're getting the safety, forget just the work, the safety, the accountability. That's what you get when you pay more. But guys don't want, homeowners don't want to understand that. It's a hard educating topic that just people just don't want to grasp. It's just like, give me your best price bottom dollar. My bottom dollar is going to be a lot more than your average because you're getting a lot more. I don't think people realize that what you have to deal with, you have to deal with guys stepping on nails. And even if you do have safety, uh, safety boots on, sometimes those nails will go through the side. For sure. Guys are cutting themselves all the time. You got to go through gloves. You got to go through respirators. Training. What about those guys that are smashing windows by accident, uh, hitting sprinklers? Mm -hmm. That's on your insurance. Neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> Property. What I wanted to say was that I, I've always disliked clients for a few good reasons because they think certain trades in this industry, which I completely disagree with them, are not really skilled tradesmen, trades people. Unfortunately, demos one, For painting sure. is another. It aggravates me. It upsets me because there is skill behind all these tradespeople doing this work. You talk about your guys coming in, and there's been plenty of times that I've walked into a job site, and I'm always there. I'm always hanging out. I want to check it out. I want to see it but primarily because they have questions and they'll start demoing certain walls and the questions of, are those structural? Are they load bearing? Can we remove that? Can we do that? These questions need to be answered and homeowners don't have this information. Right. That was this well is, said. This is all based on our experience on site and what you guys have done, right? Plus discovery of potential hazardous material. Homeowners don't have that information. And then you'll have, if a homeowner is doing it th themselves, like you guys said, they'll be doing it during the day. Hey honey, how did it go? It went great. 
great. Sit on the couch and they're full of dust and they've got the dust highlights in their hair. And then they're <laughs> handling their baby. They're handling their pets. They're handling their wife. Leave this to the skilled tradespeople, yeah. period. Yeah. And like do your homework and get your three quotes. Get your five quotes. And like I've always said over and over, five quotes, three are going to be in and around the same ballpark. Two are going to be fishy. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And then you go and speak to the three. And then you go on a gut feeling. Not everybody's personality lines up with everybody. That's just a fact. But go with the person that you feel good about. And then they'll do an excellent job. Yeah. And demo is the kind of thing that you do not shortchange, man. I know. Just but don't too many do people it. do. Well, they do it because it's not pretty. I it's know. not the finishing. It's not the designer bullshit. You might not need your quote unquote skilled trade for demolition. But what you need is training. Yes. It may not be a skilled trade, but it's a trained trade. I still think that every single tradesperson in this industry, doesn't matter what level, what job, or whatever, is as equal to everybody else, and I treat them as much. I have more respect for demo guys than a lot of the other trades. These guys are the guys that have to make sure, and you said this, this is a very important point. Guys can't be stupid in demolition. You cut the wrong pipe, you cut the wrong beam, and you have a collapse. You want to go through that for a second? Talk yeah, about the ugly let's talk side about of demo. Yeah. Too many companies out there just, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to post a video or a picture of something that, that's gone wrong. But there's ugly to every demolition. It's demolition at the end of the day. Shit happens. It's discovery. Yeah. You're discovering the shit that has happened in the last decades, century. Exactly. Now you have to handle it. It's in your ballpark. Now. Exactly. Everybody out there wants to promote, oh, look how clean my job site is. But they don't promote the window that they broke. Right. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's not pretty, but it happens at the end of the day. I don't give a shit who you're using my company another company. What you care about is accountability. A window may break. My guys might break a window. I'm going to tell you right now, but you know that that window is going to get fixed. That window is going to be repaired. Something, a pipe may not, may, a pipe have, may have been hit. Whatever the issue is, you need to know that you're hiring a company with accountability. 100%. It, listen, it, it's this simple. I bought a, uh, a semi-detached. I started the demo on, on my side of the house. The demising wall was separating our two homes. I'm on the pump, man. I'm tearing all the plaster off. I'm taking all the lath. It's looking great, man. I had a great day with the guys, and I'm like, yes, I'm getting to where I need to get to. And then I get a knock on the door, and the next-door neighbor goes, hey, you fucking dickhead. You cracked <laughs> all my walls on my side of the house because a demising wall carried the plaster on their side. These are really hard learning lessons. Mm -hmm. You see a guy picking at a demising wall. There's a reason he's not smashing so we, that wall on so the other what side. I've done, what I've done in that situation is I actually, when you are on Take good pictures terms. Take pictures before. No, 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 no. I, when you are on good terms with a neighbor, because they will flip on you. I don't give a shit who you are. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I actually ask to enter their building. Yep. And I'll walk along that demising wall. And I'll look to see if there's anything that I might. Pictures are the best. Pictures, mirrors, anything that's fragile. No, I mean taking pictures. No, no. I'll still yeah. photograph it, but the thing is, I'll ask for these items to be removed off that wall, and then you photograph the entire wall. Yep. You'll note that there's no cracks, there's no defections, there's nothing at all. And then you do the work, and you come back, and you look, and you go, there's nothing. So basically, we did not disturb. So you're right. That, that, that's important to do that. I mean, that's just one thing. So I'd love to – I just wanted to throw that in because yeah. people just don't realize how difficult this job is. I do have – I have done a lot of demo. I used yeah. to have a demolition company myself. 
You did? You can't, yeah. Uh, Window of Opportunity was, I did high rise demolition. I worked with Presley and Tepperman when they were separated. Nice. How uh, old I worked are with you? Ford. <laughs> 48, buddy. And, and like you said, you, you know, sometimes one trade's not enough and you just keep digging in. In the mid 90s, there was a recession. It was a small recession, but it was pretty big. Demolition kept me alive because yeah. there was factories knocking walls down, big block walls. And we, we made a lot of money. I don't know how the money is now. I know there's a lot of competition because there's a lot of fly-by-night guys that don't care about your health, that don't care about their health. But getting back to I really have respect for your guys because they have to be engineers. You, you, you have to know those point loads before you tear them down because yeah. some guys will just keep cutting. When you're cutting something and the blade starts to bind, <laughs> there's a reason why it's starting to bind. It oh, means that, that there's, weight? there's weight coming down on that cut. <laughs> so go on, continue before I interrupt you again. No, no, no it's okay. So I, I just really wanted to touch on the accountability, right? Because it, number one, accountability. Number two, learn from your mistakes. In construction, I don't care what trade from what I've learned, there's just significant turnover. Hiring guys, yeah. you know, they're just constantly, oh, you owed me, this guy paid me 25 cents more, fuck you, I'm out of here, right? So, like, there's no loyalty, there's no accountability, for, wow. well, there's no loyalty with your guys, and, and I, I, as a business owner, my crews have been with me for over a year, that's fucking unheard of, that's unheard of. In demolition. Unheard of. I know. Number one is keeping them busy. I understand a lot of guys live check to check, and that's fine, I understand. I, I try to understand as much as I can my workers or employees uh, situations and they like to live check by check it's their own call loyalty there's no loyalty in this business and and and, and it's a shame to say that I I had a guy he was a good worker it was just a few months ago too and he worked with me worked with me worked with me and it's a telltale when I get a phone call or a text message at 7 30 when they're supposed to be on a job at eight saying that they're sick I know that they found a new job and I, I'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I, I and I know it because then they won't reach out to me the next that that evening. Why won't they than, call it earlier and just say, "Listen, why won't they just be honest?" Because they want to fuck you over, you know. And it's just wow. it, 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 there's there's no loyalty. Anyways, with this one worker, I found out a few days later that he got a new job, and he said, "Listen, bro, it's all about the money." I said, "Okay, I understand you're in this for the money." I offered him a little bit more than what I was paying him. He said, "Sure, fuck the other guy." No. Yeah. So I was desperate at the time. I needed wow, more guys. What a fucking horror. I know. But, but you know what the worst part is? We're talking about 20 to 40 buck difference a week. I know. When we're talking about pennies but like they that. they don't look at the big picture. I no. wish they would quantify the big picture. Nobody does. You know how many guys have left my company? Oh, I found a new job. Two to three weeks later, they're calling me back, messaging me back. Hey, can I come back? Because I try to give as best of a work experience to my guys, give them what they want. I, I pay. I never fuck with pay. There's too many guys out there that fuck with pay. I never fuck with pay. My guys get their pay. I don't care if I have to borrow. My guys get their pay. No, no, that's a great point. I mean, you know, sometimes a company will not pay themselves for six months. And a good company like yourself that saves money for the, for the rainy days or for no work days... That's the most important because when you have quality guys, like you were saying, guys are going in and out. When you have a crew and they're a solid crew, you don't want to lose those guys no. to nobody. I know. Even on down weeks, I would yeah. give them money to yeah. sit at home because the alternative is three days of no work. You watch how many guys you can lose. Literally, last year, yeah, 2019, no, sorry, 2018, March was slow. They worked three days, two days off. I lost four guys in two days. And that, when I was smaller, 
that was 60, hard that you. was 65 percent of my workforce yeah i was starting two big jobs the next week i'm like holy shit like what do i do that's a big problem i think with many trades not just you know demolition it's industry. the industry yeah it's, it's just, just how it is like you said when you find that guy when you have those those guys or girls or whomever is part of your team you need to do what you whatever you have to do obviously that you know you're not going to go bankrupt and lose your business for it but whatever you can do whatever's in your means you need to keep them oh i'll go bankrupt <laughs> a couple of questions for you michael uh yeah. so where do you find your guys and have you ever brought on a, a female oh you beat me to yeah. it i just <laughs> wrote that down we, we, we've had a few uh probably a handful of females that have worked oh with really us over yeah? The years. yeah they like ripping stuff apart huh yeah a few of them yeah i'll kill them when i get home i'll but kill them you know no, what? no 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 <laughs> you know there's there's a few there's people that are just stuck in the past though because now that you brought that up you know it gives me a little rant that i want to go on there was go a ahead. Con- contractor oh you mean the caveman <laughs> yeah the, the fucking <laughs> contractor we worked with back this was probably a year ago um i had a female working on that job site and he called me the next day or the evening of that she was there we need guys on our job site and Why? i said i said have you realized that that one worker has done 10 times more than any of your fucking crew on that job site it doesn't matter. She's dragging her feet. She I wasn't, fucking right? lost. She was working harder than any other guy so that I had on the city. He's just a jackass. It just in his mind, he thinks that guys will work harder, and that it's not true. It's not. It's a. She was a bull. She fucking destroyed shit <laughs> properly. Properly, she did things properly, but she honestly did. She did great work. Great work. Do you still have her? No, unfortunately, one of the, the you know during another slow period. This is back in I think January, February. Unfortunately, she ended up finding something more, I guess, steady, different field altogether. But uh, no, they're out there, and I would love to. I I told Carlito the other day because we did two podcasts on women in construction. I want to do number three where we bring in that caveman, that pig, and just you know call him Mr. Smith or whatever. I want to get their take on it because. That doesn't belong in our industry. But, it doesn't belong in anybody's industry. But why are they pigs not on the mic? They're pigs behind the mic. Well, that's why I want to get one of them, and we'll just call him Mr. Smith, right? Yeah. But the thing is, or maybe we'll call him phone. Babe. You should do a phone call. Because he's going to end up wanting to leave anyway, so you should do a phone call. No, so, no we, we've we've never had, we'll restrain him. <laughs> Thank God we've never had anyone just leave yet. <laughs> not yet That's no. never happened, but I'll have fun Anyways, with that. Anyways, if it wasn't for those pigs, it wouldn't make me look good. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you find all the guys? Do you got, um, um, right now, it's kind of a mix of things. There, there's a few different areas where we, 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 we find our guys. Right now, we have 12 guys full-time, and then we have a few agencies that help us out. We have 22 right now, but I mean, that, that can fluctuate, right? with you know winter work and whatnot there's 22 that are working with us right now most of my guys now come from referral of others okay so a lot of the time it's you know my one of my foremen or my lead hands or my supervisors they, they know someone who knows someone in the business and they're just saying you know want to try them out i try to look for a bit of experience i don't judge if you don't have experience because there's a lot of hard workers out there that pick up fast and you know even if they don't pick up fast they they're eager to learn i'll put them on a I guess less sensitive job where you know it's it's a little easier demolition per se. We can train them and get them all you know up to speed with whatever we're doing. And um, but yeah, a lot of it's referral from yeah. previous guys. We also work with a youth employment service, which is phenomenal too. Um, I forget the actual name of it, but it's a youth employment service through the government of Ontario where a lot of I guess you want to call them dropouts just have on hard times the students and whatnot, and they've left school, and this youth employment service kind of helps 
helps them get back on their feet That's and cool. kind of find a job. I, I encourage a lot of people to look into it because a lot of it is subsidized too. So they'll subsidize pay for up to 10 weeks. And then after the 10 weeks, the idea is that, you know, you're an honest person and you keep them on and then you start paying full, but yeah. they'll subsidize the pay for up to 10 weeks. Back in the day when I did demolition, there was not many rules. Well, there was rules, but nobody enforced them. So a lot of times I would go to shelters and pick up guys from shelters. When you hear shelter or homeless people, you would think that these are like people that don't have their minds on their shoulder, like they don't have a good head on their shoulders or they have some kind of addiction or something. But there's a lot of amazing people that have had huge businesses in these shelters mm -hmm. and they've had to restart. If things have changed a lot now, like you have to have a WSIB, you have to have training. That's really expensive. Like how much do you spend on a person, like per guy? Like, is something need to talk about so homeowners Absolutely. and companies can hear this? So WSIB rates vary because we do different things. I have different rates for different jobs. So non-structural demolition is one rate, structural demolition is another rate. Operators are another rate, abatements another rate. It can be up to, I think, 12% on on some of them so up to 12 as high as 12 as high as 12 and then some i think non-structural i mean wsib rates vary from contract like company to company too right so depending on claims and all that other crap it could be as low as you know in the fours to fives and then as high as 12 for what i do but i mean you got to think but that's just wsib that's just a, we're not talking about women's and fall around like mm -hmm. all, yeah. all these all my guys working at Heights, Wemis, everything. Every, when you're a new hire, first aid. Yeah, you cost my new hires cost me on average probably about three to four hundred dollars just in training to get them all up to snuff. Right? You can't touch a scissor lift without proper training. You can't touch a boom. You can't touch a lot of equipment that you that we use on a regular basis without proper training. Right? So a new hire can cost me anywhere between three to five hundred dollars. And then that's just upfront costs. Like you said, WSIB, liability insurance, like there's so much that goes into it. I think every hundred dollars I'm paying $12. So deduct, 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 deduct. You have to pay the equipment, your gloves, your tools and everything. Every hundred dollars I'm pretty much spending maybe 30 to 40% of that on the worker or on the job itself, right? Not including the actual pay of the work. A lot of people just don't get what goes into pricing. They just think, like you said, there's the fly-by-night guys. They're going to do the job for next to nothing. That's what you're competing with more in the demolition side because you don't need certification for a lot of the stuff you're doing. Yeah. You can just grab a couple of buddies tomorrow and just be like, hey, let's go knock down some walls, which happens. But That's so scary, man. I know. What about that guy down on the Danforth? He convinced his wife that he could do the demo, took out all the supporting walls, and then the house collapsed. And then what happened? He yeah. lost his home, his biggest investment, and he's now serving time in jail. And then the other thing is that a lot of the time, if you aren't smart, your home insurance may not even cover you. That's right, because you need builder's insurance yeah. when you're doing builder's your risk. Yeah, yeah, right. So and that's and like four hundred fifty bucks a month, and you're supposed to notify your insurance of what's going on, and to the extent of it, they need to see it. And a lot of homeowners don't want to do that because it changes their assessment of the house. Yep. And so that means they'll pay more property tax. So they're already looking at it. Well, I'm paying X amount for demo. I'm paying X amount for the rental. I don't want to start paying X amount extra for the property tax. I go, that this is how it works, man. I don't blame them, man. This is I crap that we're getting taxed to renovate. 
a house to make it more efficient. Because when Michael Why brings, would you get taxed for that? But Michael brings up a really good point where they don't understand the pricing behind everything. They don't get how you give them a quote and you're factoring all these fees that are associated with that dollar that they you're charging them. But you're charging these fees for the reason that if something goes wrong or if something happens, that you're covering yourself as a result of that because Absolutely. you're going into someone's home. Yep. And demoing is, is, if anything, the most critical part of construction. If you don't start off well at that very beginning, something's going to go wrong, man. Another area to touch on that you mentioned that you're going into people's homes is condos. You got to think of the risk involved. Like, I'll be honest with you. When I first started, my condo pricing was much less than what it is today. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's just because there's so much fucking risk. Like wallpaper, you, mirrors, forget carpet. That, forget that though. But it's just it's it's everybody. You the common elements in a condo, the hallways, the elevator, the the potential for damages outside you damage of something. Of you know, even a, a nick in the wallpaper can run you as a contractor three or four hundred dollars because they might have to change the whole sheet. Just to touch on the ugly side, there was a a flaw in the concrete slab of a condo we just did in January. Wasn't our fault directly. Because when we lifted the toilet, some of the toilet water went on the slab. Well, there was a cutout in the slab, which is there's never supposed to be a cutout in a concrete slab of a floor in a unit in a condo. Well, we well, know why that cutout was there. <laughs> they made a mistake. Exactly. But it was underneath the, it was underneath the tub area. So they, it might have been the plumber something. Anyway, bottom line is some water went down into the unit below, the bathroom in the unit below. That unit, I would say maybe a full sheet of drywall, maybe you needed to repair they refused to let us fix it. I want to let both you try to guess how much that actually cost me because they insisted. I'm going to say I'm going to say four figures. Yep. Whatever reason. 1500. No, it cost $1800 for one Whoa. fucking sheet of drywall. I would have charged starting at 1500. <laughs> yeah. Cuz you know what? Just for people to know, I feel sorry when you, that happens to you. It, it, but I've it seen happens. It. I did fire and water damage and yeah. mold remediation. I know how horrible it can be from one little mistake. I, as a drywaller, need to go back and go into one unit. Sometimes the smaller jobs are more expensive than the bigger jobs because you're wasting you gotta, so much time yeah. setting up, cleaning up, and doing the job and getting out. It's got to be worth your while. I mean, I've got guys that I know that do drywall. I price the job out, material and labor, at about 200 bucks. It's just excessive that the building insisted that their maintenance guys do it for $1,800. My whole point of this is that why do you charge more or why should people charge more for condos is because of the risk involved. You just leave the unit. You, you're, you're finished for the day. You're going home. Your guys are going home. We always vacuum the outside, but you know, we wipe our feet. You get everything done. You have, I, I, I buy mats for every single job we do. You leave. There's a little tiny footprint that the guys missed. Do you know how many emails the the contractor gets? And then you know how many phone calls I get? Like, there's so much that people just don't give abuse. a shit. Because you're in a retirement home. No, <laughs> it's, it's an abuse of power. That's exactly. all it is, right? And, but it's just someone's going coming home from work that lives in the condo. They look at the floor. They're like, oh, shit, there's a footprint. I'm going to call the management company and tell them, hey, why the fuck is there a footprint well, here? Well, that, that's another reason you make sure that you see the super and you give them something really nice at the beginning, create the a good stupor? relationship. The stupor? And say, please don't clean anything. <laughs> yeah. Call me and I'll exactly. take care of it right exactly. away. And, yeah. you know, as efficient as we are, we try our very best. 
there's always someone that's going to complain. The noise, like we're jackhammering. We try to, like, I'll literally try to get jackhammering done in one day. I'll bring five, six jackhammers, get them to go nuts in one day. Whatever we have to do, get it done. Because if you have that going on for two, three, four days, you have other residents knocking on your door while you're working, coming in, opening the door, dust Peaking is going in. out. Like it's, it's just a nightmare. So to go on to what you said about coming into your home, condos are just that much more of a pain in the ass. And I'm sure you know you do work in condos. And I've stuff. done one condo. Yeah. I, lo- I love condos. Yeah. One, I, how do you love condos, dude? I figured out the math like you. I always go in. I talk to management first. I won't touch a thing in a in a building. Yeah. I also have rollouts. I I made, you're restricted I by made hours. Parts. You're restricted by tenants. yeah. I know, but it makes you're you restri- more efficient. You're you not forget restric- something. You're in the elevator going down to grab it. You're coming, but you're up. not really restricted by time. What you have to do is you have to make sure that all your noise is done before five. You can do your setup before that. You can do your painting and all the little things after five o'clock. And there's ways of working people, right? People will work with you. During demo, what's the strangest thing you ever uncovered? I know I I found photo albums from the 40s. (laughs) Treasure box. Which is really weird. (laughs) There was a job down on Queen Street near the Drake Hotel. There was a job we ripped down. It was a full gut of a house taking the roof off of a semi. I would say, honestly, like you, you, you would think you'd find more, but I, I haven't really come across anything strange. Just, funny. just newspapers from like the 1800s and stuff like that. Like yeah. we, we've, we found I stuff found like Pepsi that. Pepsi and Coke bottles. Yes, yeah, b- bottles. A lot yeah, of yeah, cigarettes. Cigarettes? I haven't found any cigarettes. <laughs> like burnt ones. Like, yeah, just thrown <laughs> in. Wow. I thought you would find something interesting. No, I've heard stories about money. People found money. I wish uh, I found money. I always, <laughs> I, I always found tools. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, there was the all those tools. Someone forgot where they put that, and yeah. it was behind the wall. Yeah, you find newspapers are most common. I mean, another thing about demo, though, you mentioned find doing demo. We deal with a lot of the appliances, right? Like, I mean, I wish you know I can one day have a shop where I can resell this stuff. Like, I try to work as much as I can with donation companies, Habitat, whomever, um, because a lot of this stuff goes to you know if it's salvageable, I, I donate it, and I still will. But but you get a tax write off on that. Yeah, exactly. They'll depending on who you donate. Donated to most of them will give you something. You bring up the point of the appliances. Isn't it funny how clients always expect you to move all these appliances? Always. Appliances are not a part of the structure, ladies and gentlemen. That's decorative. That's a decorative item that belongs to you guys. The same way you removed all your furniture and all your paintings and everything, bring the appliances with you. If you want the appliances moved, guess what? It's going to be what, 200 bucks each appliance to move? I think it's an important time to say this. I know when we're talking about contracts right now, you know, you got to state in your contract, if it's not stated what you're doing in that contract, it's nothing more. Yeah. And a lot of times homeowners will stretch out what you're expected to do because they are really trying to stretch their penny. Yeah. But like, when no, thing, you said you would do this. Well, you said you'd do that. the beginning of the construction and they're already looking at the end of the construction and they already know that you talk about appliances. We need to buy a Sub-Zero. We need to buy a Viking. We need to buy these expensive appliances. Uh, and so we need to save money. Yeah. And I'm always dumbfounded that they want to save money off the tradespeople and all the work that they do. So then they can get these expensive items. That's not how it works. Once again, though, liability, like you said, you touch that washer and dryer. That's a stackable unit and one falls. It's on you now because you're the one who decided to say, shit, I'm going to help. As a demo company, I try to always go that extra mile. Like I always say, like, you know, you'll come to me and be like, hey, Mike, can you move this? Hey, Mike, can you? I always try to. I I never, I don't like saying no to people. I try to do whatever I can do because that's another thing that, you know, I pride myself and my companies on the customer service side. I'll assess the risk first. And, you know, if it's something pretty simple, I'll be like, okay, no problem. You got to understand, like you said, you touch an appliance that's not part of something. All of a sudden, the dishwasher no longer works. 
works. Well, guess what? Manny's buying another fucking thousand dollar dishwasher, thousand. right? So you know, or there's five thousand dollar dishwasher. Yeah, but that's what I, I mean. Know. So you get them to. Yeah. I always get them to sign an understanding. Going, listen, guys, there might be your brand new appliance might turn into a scratch and dent appliance. Yeah, I'm not guaranteeing because I'm not an appliance mover. You want me to move that? Sure, I'm here. My guys are here. We have big strong men that can actually do it. Then let's do it. But I'm not taking the risk. If this thing is damaged or if it doesn't work when it gets rehooked up, it's not on me, man. Or even more important, make sure that the safety's on and turn off the power to your stove so you don't have a fire. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the washer dryer. You think that's common sense, though, You know right? those four but bolts you're supposed honestly, to put back in? Honestly, some guys will put drop sheets or moving blankets on stoves. And they will get John fire and oh, you're screwed. I know what he's talking about. <laughs> I, I was not a part of that. I don't know anything about it. I heard the story all about it. I know that you're, I mean, we got a lot to cover here. So I'm just going to kind of skip through some and then we'll go back and maybe. We got a lot go through to the cover steps. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, 75 Do you know a lot? You are a remediation company. Yeah. Uh, you deal with asbestos. So that means that you probably deal with mold. Yeah. It's a number one call. Exactly. Can we go through some of the steps of the mold? A lot of people think that, let's talk about colors of mold. Let's talk about how to clean mold. For sure. So uh, just to put it out there, me. though, we're, we're still in the certification process of getting our mold certification for abatement. Okay. So there may be some things that I just don't know the answers okay. to. But yeah. We're still having a debate. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm what do you want to talk about mold? Like okay. The, so, so one of the big things is... I always tell people, if you don't have the proper product to clean mold from at home, do not use bleach. Yeah. Do you, why is that? I'm going to ask you, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Do you know why we can't use bleach? I'm learning about it. I don't know too much about it, so I'll let you answer okay, that Okay, so one. one thing that's the most important is that bleach has an off-gassing, and a, a reason that we carry a fan in a laundry room is to get rid of toxic waste, like the off-gassing from bleach. Bleach actually just doesn't clean it. It whitens it. A lot of people believe that bleach actually cleans mold. You're supposed to use something as simple as soap and water. More soap than water and scrub and clean. That's the minimum. I'd yeah. like you to tell that to all the Portuguese women out there that you cannot use bleach <laughs> I know, but to a lot clean of people, anything. A lot or, of people or vinegar. Think, vinegar. Or vinegar. <laughs> v- vinegar is pretty good. I, I don't know how, like, I don't know the stats Me, on, yeah, yeah. I don't know the stats on if it actually kills mold. Yeah. That's one thing I haven't asked, but that's a great question. Does your Europeans love using vinegar to clean everything? Yeah, we so. clean everything with vinegar. <laughs> I actually, I clean all my tiles with vinegar. Yeah, I so I put a grout release on my tile, yeah. and the only way to get that off is washing it, but the yeah. vinegar actually cleans it without staining go. it. And you're European. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to talk about it because there's products like Benefac. Benefac's a good one. Yeah. yeah really good one. And you know why that was invented, right? It was, a, it was a kid that had a problem. He lived in a bubble and his dad had his dad wanted him to enjoy life. And he created a product that killed a bacteria that was so safe. That in his yeah. house yeah. without having to have a bubble in his home. Yeah. I um, didn't know that. Yeah. If you go to a remediation company, so who do you use? For remediation? Yeah. For um, like products. Oh, uh, abatement technologies as well. Okay. And, so, th- yeah. so there's many companies across Ontario. Yeah. And you can actually go in there and you can buy a product. Yeah. It's safe to handle. Mm-hmm. It's safe to... In- to take in it's safe on your hand it doesn't kill any bacteria it just kills the bad stuff all natural thing because some all natural could still be harmful to people that's right so you know i wanted to talk about a little bit about cleaning so i wanted that's one thing that always comes up and i wanted to have this kind of conversation about the bleach you know anything about bleach i fucking hate bleach i can't stand bleach so why do people keep wanting to clean 
because it's the go-to, dude. It's just the way it's instilled in their head that yeah. this is how it is, right? So they just assume that bleach is the best way. Bleach is not the best. No, anything. It's just not right. So I just I don't understand why bleach. If you're a mass murderer and you created a situation, by all means use bleach because from what I've been told, it, it actually compromises any kind of event, evidence integrity. Okay? I've heard that too, but it's just legend right now. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, there's I, a better way, man. You just don't do that, and you won't have to work on cleaning up. <laughs> oh, don't do the original one. Okay, all right. You know, there's another way of getting back at someone's called a lawyer. <laughs> bleach them. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going with this? No, I just wanted to, I, I get this uh, argument all the time. So one of the big things is, and not so much for you, but you probably get stupid questions like this. A homeowner will say to me, like, I'm old all around my window. And I'm like, hey, have you opened the fucking curtains? Well, hang on a sec. There's different levels of mold. As well, yes. Wait, we're going to lead to that. Yeah. Different colors. Yeah. Different. We have to get to there soon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let, let, let's talk about the first one. The, the black is you typically potting. Yeah. Well, depending on the black mold too, Black right? hairy. Yeah. black. Yeah. Because that's also called, I believe it's called stachybotrys or stachybotrys. There's, that's yeah, one of the, the term of it. That's one of the worst molds that is commonly found in households. You as well, drop yeah. everything, walk away from there and bring in the professional Absolutely, to take care yeah, of you don't want to scrub that. That's not your grout mold. That's just yeah. You know, that's the stuff that grows it. on your tongue. Exactly. Yeah. I had a customer that went to go clean their own mold in a closet, and they ended up getting it on their tongue, and they had to go to a doctor to get it removed. It was growing on their tongue. So he breathed it in. So he breathed it in, or somehow he got it in his it mouth while he it. was cleaning, and his tongue turned hairy black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty crazy man it's actually a true story sounds like a joke but it's That's, not isn't that a porn <laughs> <laughs> tongue turn hairy black yeah. and then there's different colors that could be scary too like you've got intense purples and greens and reds and there's a contractor we do some uh, regular work with he uh, he showed me a picture of a house that he went to go price it was literally fucking polka dots like everywhere That's so scary. orange purples blacks greens you name it so it's been around for a while oh yeah it can get as bad as this my last job that i worked for someone we uh recorded everything one of the stories was a homeowner opened up an attic they went up into the attic and they were looking around and they see all this black mold while they were up in the attic and they had their head up in the attic the mold that was saturated on the substrate which was the the roof ridge and and the substrate that was covered in mold and the pods were airborne they inhaled it and they died. Wow. This is how critical mold is. And like if you have bronchitis or asthma, it's even more deadly. Some people like myself, you can put it in my mouth and I, I won't get sick. But that's just me. That if doesn't mean it's right for anyone yeah. else. Any Not that I'm going to do that. But <laughs> some people's genetics are stronger than others. But Absolutely. a lot of people don't realize they have bronchitis or they have uh, asthma or and then they get these from molds in the yep. houses. Well, that's the issue with homeowners, right? With their house. There's, there's a reason if you're coughing all the time, there's a reason if you're feeling sick all the time, you have to inspect your house and find out. Homes breathe, as you said before, Carlito, is that like homes are living, breathing organisms. So if it's not functioning properly the way it's supposed to, how we were talking with Greg about building science and the HRVs, the thing is the homes have to operate a certain way. And if, if something happens as a result of it, then you will form mold or you'll form a problem. New builds, right? Like New builds. everybody, every contractor out there is like, oh, insulate, insulate, seal, seal, seal. 
There's no breathing now. Mold is going to, like these new homes, yeah, they might be, you know, top notch, but they'll have mold problems at some point. Especially at the beginning, like the first two years, everything's green, like you said. Yeah. All the products are wet. They're above their moisture levels that they're supposed to be at. I probably mentioned this before, but I've seen drywall on the floor, like hundreds of sheets with the roof not on. It's raining on those sheets and those sheets are covered in mold and they get put on the wall and they get covered up. Yeah. And no one says a word. And that mold will grow and spread. Let's get into a little bit of, uh, just to kind of wrap things up, the excavation. Yep. So you started getting into that as well. You started with demo and then got into abatement and then got into excavation. Other way. Other Other way way around. Demo, excavation, and then now February 2020, we started abatement. Abatement. So starting with asbestos and then we'll be doing mold once those certifications are done and then lead after that. So excavation, when I hear excavation... Big toys, man. Well, we started our first machine. My first machine that I bought was a three and a half ton excavator. We bought that in March of last year. Um, that was our first machine. Man, you make it sound like you just walked in and go, give me the Corolla and the silver. You know what I mean? <laughs> I bought an excavator, three and a half yeah. ton. Well, wow. I, I mean, I, I, I got to make a shout out then because Matt from Turnkey uh, sure. Shoring. Yeah, uh, he's a great guy. Phenomenal guy. Like this guy helped me. He still helps me today. Like he's just, he's a, he's a great mentor of mine and just with guidance. Like I didn't know the first fucking thing about excavators. I was looking at a one and a half ton. I was looking at, you know, a three ton, a five ton. He's like, Mike, don't fuck with anything go see this guy. I, I buy Kubota, like Kubota is my mini. Nice, I like uh, he's like, go see this guy, sales guy at this, at this shop. He's like, he'll help you out Buy a three and a half ton. I said, but why? He's like, you'll thank me later. I'm not kidding. That thing has just been busy. It had one off month, which was December, no January. It was working up until mid December. It was off from January. It's already back on jobs. That thing has gone nonstop since March when I got it. And it's just, it's a beast. Like I bought a breaker for it, a concrete breaker for it on all my minis. I have a, a one and a half ton as well now. And uh, I, I, I have another concrete breaker for that. But yeah, that was my first machine. And that machine does everything from, you know, breaking up a concrete driveway or asphalt driveway to digging foundations, do, digging footings, whatever you need, a garage addition, a backyard addition, a front yard addition. It does 90% of my work. And then I bought the one and a half ton because that machine, there's a lot of, I like the small niche work because limited access, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I like the, where I could drive my skid steers and get from A to B in the front and the back, no problem. But the, the one and a half ton is only three feet wide. So I could get, and the tracks go in and out. So I can get into a lot of backyards. I could do a lot of like narrow, narrow work. And obviously you charge for the limited access type of work too, right? So I started with the three and a half ton machine. I then bought a skid steer. Yeah, I won't go back and I bought a Komatsu skid steer long ago, but it was a literally a waste of money. I spent a ton of money on it. It was used. And after that experience, I'll never buy anything used ever again. It's just, just. Some guys are like that, which makes a lot of sense. It's just a money pit. It's a money pit. And I spent money after money after money in repairs. But, you know, that's another. You don't know what guys, I guess guys are very abusive with these tools. Exactly. And you'll go see it. They'll make it look all shiny, all nice. And, you know, look, this machine was in mint condition and then you use it for three, four months and, you know, the, the, problem, the rad problem, goes, problem. this goes, that goes, the hydraulic pump. Like I bought it for 16. I probably spent about 10 and I had to sell it for 10. So I, I yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was a tough pill to swallow. So that three and a half ton does a lot of my work. I bought a skid steer after that. So it was kind of tandem back and forth. And then I bought my 20 ton. So it's kind of a huge jump in, in, in spectrum of, of, of machinery. Um, the 20 ton does all of our house demos, our digging for excavation for new houses, drain work, stuff like that. And then 
I needed that kind of small machine, so I bought the one and a half ton, um, and then I bought a track a track skid steer as well. So that machine kind of does all my terrain work and whatnot, and my tire skid steer does all my road work, hard surface work, factory work, all that kind of stuff. What kind of trucks? What kind of vans? I we run. Uh, I have a Silverado as a personal truck that I use for work day to day. But then I have a three F three fifty for my floating. There you uh, go. I like I, this guy already. He said right the F word. Mad. He said uh, the F word. Uh, <laughs> my F three fifties for my road work. Uh, sorry, my my floating machine. With like I have a flatbed, a twenty six foot flatbed trailer. So that I move all my equipment with, and then um, my F two fifty. Uh, one of my supervisors drives the F-250 and we'll be buying a van hopefully in the next month or so just to kind of help with logistics of job to job crews getting like, we do a lot of outside city work too like we go all the way to Hamilton we do oh really yeah we, we go all over southern Ontario it's, it's getting as we continue to grow it gets harder and harder to ship the guys off that don't drive so you know logistics comes into play and it's either either rent a vehicle for it or buy a van or something like that like we're kind of looking into a school couple bus <laughs> school bus would be very helpful <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the yeah. Magcore school bus <laughs> exactly so let, let's go over some of the steps really important you should always hire someone insured. Yep. Insurance isn't cheap. Some guys like you have to have over $12 million coverage mm -hmm. to be in a demolition company. It's not a cheap industry anymore. Exactly. WSIB is not cheap. The first thing before you get called, I guess we should sh make a shout out to someone that would do a call, a, a, like, a testing for lead. You guys offer that? Asbestos. Or? Uh, for asbestos testing, we do. Yeah, yep. we, we do asbestos testing. And then... So come in and take some samples from trim, from exactly. floor, from whatever. And exactly. typically that's about 500 bucks? It depends, yeah. How many samples? On, it, exactly. It goes to the samples. The more samples you do, the cheaper in bulk it becomes. But yeah. No one should be scared that this takes a long time. This no. is about a week period. Yeah. You and can and rush and if it you're if you want, but you're going to pay. Yeah, if you're working on your contract. But even more important, this isn't just about... You know, people are like, oh, I don't need that. If an inspector or a company comes on and they find one thing wrong, this will cost you thousands and thousands of dollars if you don't do this test. Because one person sues you from getting sick, you're done. Not to mention if Ministry of Labor shows up on your job, you're fucked. Have you had any Ministry of Labor charge you with anything? No, no, Or no, charge no, anyone never. that you know? Not that I know of. They've been on a couple of sites as my of mine, but I'm, you know, I, I really push PPE on all my guys. So, you know, if my guys don't have a helmet on, they're being sent home by my guys if they don't want to listen. So PPE is important, but nonetheless, I mean, the Ministry of Labor showing up on one of my sites this summer. Thank God, you know, we take the precautions needed, but I haven't had any issues with any uh, charges or fines or anything. Yeah, like that. I, I find it very funny. We talk about this all the time. I have like two helmets in my truck all the time. Yep. I have all the respirators. I have glasses. I have boots. I mm -hmm. have the proper clothes. I don't know why contractors aren't covering themselves properly. But Just anyways, have a couple of extras, yeah. right? Like you said, I have, I have boxes of both in my truck right now. So some of the things that homeowners or contractors shouldn't be doing for their health, they shouldn't be doing ceiling tile removals, no. even though it's as simple as they are. They shouldn't be doing down. any of it. Well, these Period. are, the, these are some of the, the things professionals. definitely want to talk about, right? We definitely don't want to talk. We want to talk about not cleaning up mold because there's different levels. Of course, you yeah. don't know yeah. what just color doesn't represent how deadly the mold is. Yeah. If the your mold stomach can be is deadly looking at, any at color. it and it's turning, leave it alone and bring in a probe. Right. Yep. That's right. Even for your grout, your shower grout, like, you know, it's, 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 it's a simpler type of mold, but still, I mean, you can, it'll cost you 50, 75 bucks, call a guy in, he does it for you. Better safe than sorry, right? I mean, get the accountability, get the experience.
don't get black, hairy tongue disease <laughs> and hire a pro. <laughs> what do you guys do? Who do you guys use for disposal? Uh, there's a few companies, uh, two companies we use primarily. Uh, Ace Disposal does a lot of our city work, uh, limited access stuff. Like they have mini, tr- uh, mini bins, mini trucks, everything from a four yard to a 30 yard bin, but they are narrow bins. So I love their 30 yard bins. They're they can get me a 30 yard bin down a laneway. I mean, like nice. you can't get that with your roll offs and stuff like that. Phenomenal guy. Brian, who owns Ace Disposal, is a great guy to work with. I've been probably working with him for about a year and a half. Honestly, like customer service, I, I, I relate well because I that's my motto, customer service, like go, 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 customer, customer, customer. He has the same philosophies and we, we really get along well. He's a phenomenal guy. And then on the larger bins that we use, All Canadian Waste, okay. a gentleman named Dino that owns All Canadian Waste. So once again, phenomenal guy. Service is next to none. Like I've, I've done work. I'm not going to mention the other bin companies, but you know, when I order a fucking bin and you tell me 10 to 12, get it there 10 to 12 don't bring it to me at seven o'clock at night or or how about i know we're going to have this other talk we're going to have this talk about disposal later on but please do something at least like plywood on the on the driveway protect and some boards yep i hate guys that in the middle of summer drop it right in the asphalt and they destroy the driveway guess what that when that when that hook lift grabs it and drags it you're pulling all the asphalt with it or sinking it in exactly yeah get buy buy yourself a piece of ten dollar osb get something throw it on the driveway (laughs) anything osb (laughs) <laughs> it's good for the for the disposal. Okay, yeah. so I, I could Manny's eyes starting to twitch. That means like we're almost out of time. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked all my questions, um, man. What's your favorite job, and what was the worst job you've ever seen in demo? I love the commercial stuff. The, like in in a, in a broad broad view of things, the 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 less hands on of a job from the either the gcs or the micromanaging the easier it is for me i find that on the commercial side of things there's less headaches because this is our task this is what you need to do just go do it but in terms of best job and worst jobs i mean there's been a few homeowners that we've worked with directly that have kind of you know been a significant headache once again i try to bend over backwards and just do what i gotta do that's like the first time i've ever heard that (laughs) yeah right (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's hard to pinpoint worst i can't really say worst because i mean to be honest with you like i've been doing this for just over three years now and i haven't had a horrible experience i mean i just i just have not like i mean thank goodness when shit has hit the fan i know how to approach the situation and that's one of the biggest things that i pride myself on aside from the customer service is how you approach the bad i have a philosophy you gotta fucking face the music you can't fucking ignore that call you can't I tell myself, I'll be like, oh shit, this guy's calling me. I'm going to fucking hear it. I'm like, I just fucking answer the call. You just deal with it. You just answer the call and do what you got to fucking do. What's the question? Here's the answer. Exactly. What's the next question? Here's the answer. And how are you going to deal with it? That's it. Just deal with the problems. So normally I ask, (laughs) what would you like to change in the industry? But I don't want to do that (laughs) because we're always talking about that. And I need something refreshing and something different. What would you change about the GC? The contractor you're dealing with or the homeowner that you're dealing with when you're doing demo? The education. Education on what you're doing. The hazardous materials, that being the what goes into demolition, not just like, oh, you know, you're just smashing walls. Like educate, 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 and then understand what 
you, what you're asking the trade to do. You, everybody's on a budget, but understand you get you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for, and just understand that. Like, like Manny has said, you know, you'll have five quotes. There'll be three that are in the ballpark, one way too low, one way too high. The guy that's way too high is probably really busy, just doesn't care. And if you say yes to him, he'll drop what he's got to do. The guy way too low is too hungry, and he's going to end up screwing something up or not finishing your job. Understand that you get what you pay for. Compare apples to apples. Make sure you understand, you know, what you're getting from company A is the same as B and C. I really wish, hang on, I got to interrupt you. I really wish that clients and GCs, when we say apples to apples, I don't want them to compare quotes of the three that are solid to try to negotiate one or two of the other ones to lower their bid. It's like a real estate transaction. It's exactly it, right? Yeah. So don't do it to outbid each other. Do it to educate yourself exactly. on the reason why quote A, B, or C is doing what they're doing and what they presented. But don't go back to each other and go, well, he's a $1,000 less. Can you match that? Yeah, but Nickel and dime at that point is going to cost you later but on. But that's where GCs and trades need to just lay firm. Like you asked me to negotiate. If it, I'm not going to lose a job for a couple hundred bucks. I'm not. But at the end of the day, is a couple hundred bucks going to make or break me from the other guy? Exactly. They Stay think firm. it is. It, you, you're $1,000 more. You're worth a fucking $1,000 more. I agree with well, you. Well, I think you have to balance the number with what is being delivered. Yeah. If you see just numbers and you're not looking at the words of what gets covered. I'm speaking mostly for the, the clients and then probably the cafe GCs. They'll go through the quote and they'll look at the bigger numbers and question the bigger numbers and start dissecting those bigger numbers. But you've established a business, you've set it up, you've done your homework, you've been in the industry, you know all the angles, all the avenues, you know everything. So this is your fair price. And if the other people that are competing against you have done the same, then these are three fair prices. Don't insult and don't disrespect the industry or the tradesperson that's providing this service and don't try to do anything don't try to be sneaky about it will a thousand dollars really matter at that point or yeah. do you want a happy crew that comes in delivers exactly what you guys have said you're going to deliver on the quote and move on and take care of that site and then get constructing absolutely and another thing just to quickly touch on is that if there's if, if you're getting a trade like demolition to price off of drawings and you're negotiating before you do a site visit do your fucking site visit because there could be something that on your drawings is not showing that would be on a site visit so you know i might price your job at 15 grand and then we go see it and it might be nine there might be some some changes there right so there, there... I, I worked with a demo crew we went in there they did a site visit everything was great but then we came across the floor all of us assumed that there was two layers when we got to actually demoing that, there was nine motherfucking layers. You can't see wow. that. That's an extra, right? Nine. That's an extra. That's an extra. That's an extra. That's an but, extra. But nine in all times. fairness, that, that demolition crew, we looked at each other, and I, first thing out of my mouth, I just said, listen, let me know what the extra is. I'll speak to the client. He actually just waved it. And yeah. I was like, I was really appreciated, but I actually went up there and I hung out and I saw these guys suffer to remove nine layers of flooring on this fucking section, man. Yeah. And I felt bad, but he got it down to where I needed to get to and, and he didn't charge me extra, which is absolutely solid, right? I've seen so, it, yeah. Okay, there's only like three questions left. <laughs> <laughs> then Alex Trebek, the man. Okay. So I just want to talk about, like, just ask you guys quickly. I know you have a demolition company. I had one too. My biggest pet peeve, I always like to kind of point out the things worse in the trade. Doesn't mean it's your business. Doesn't mean it's Manny's business. It's just in general, these are things like either left behind or done sloppy or habits of that trade. One thing I hate about demo 
is I always find nails, nails. before I do drywall. <laughs> I nails. hate it. Like, they're like, yeah, we cleaned everything up. Everything's done. And then all of a sudden, I'm nails. like, you cocksuckers. I know. Just to fuck with you. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Leave I, that I, one. <laughs> I'm, I'm anal about it. I absolutely hey, hate it. Hey, that's your song, man. <laughs> I do my site visits. I go over and over and over again with both the GC and my crews. I, I've literally made my guys bring back equipment just to finish a few nails that they could i'll bring back the lad i'll bring back whatever needs to get done but that's a big peeve of a lot of people yeah when we're done a job you're paying for what you get if something and i always tell contractors don't call me and complain call me and tell me what was left out i'll make sure they'll never do that perfect because they want to complain number two on that one is i hate fiberglass insulation we've already spoken about that no no like on the leftovers like cleaning up outside really shows how clean a company is Two, two. That was two. No, that was part two of the first question. Two tree, man. Two that, tree. That, that was part two of the peeve. <laughs> Subsection um, five. What's the rule is we definitely have to have a green book on every job site. Mm-hmm. Every job site has to have a green book. Mm-hmm. So without me opening up the book today, me and Manny have come up to uh, a conclusion that we are going to, on every podcast from now on, give one rule with one penalty. One penalty fee. What's the biggest injury and, and most common in demolition? Once again, I, I could only go based off my own experience. My, I, I'm big on safety. I give my guys the gloves, not not the wool fucking gloves with dots on them. I give them the proper PPE for the job. Me, maybe a slip and fall, like maybe you know a slip on a job site. I haven't had any injury related to demolition. My guys just take the precautions, but I, I guess you know maybe a hard hat, not having a hard hat. Okay, on. so I will give you the first. I will give you the first amount and uh, the first number. It is mandatory in Canada to wear a helmet on Absolutely. every single job site. Doesn't and matter if, you if you're painting, if you're doing trim work, or you're just cleaning. Absolutely. In a construction zone, you have to have a helmet. Your first bylaw fraction yep. will be $195. For any time an inspector finds you, that is $195 for not wearing a helmet. I think first it's one. actually gone more than that because we, when that inspector came to my job site in the summer of 2019, all my guys had their hard hats beside them uh, or in the garage rather. They're all on lunch. They're all sitting in front of the garage eating lunch. He didn't see their hard hats on. He said that it was a $350 fine per person, $350 fine for the supervisor on top of it if he didn't have his hard hat, and a fine in general, $350 fine to the business owner plus a fine on top for not having the proper PPE on site. Yeah, I, I just actually opened the book. Did you? Up. Okay. Yeah. That, he he said the 350. I'm going based on what he told what, me. What what is facts in the book right now is first infraction is $195 okay, for your first helmet okay. infraction. Got it. 195 per for person. The, per person, exactly. Yeah. And that doesn't get into the supervisor and yeah. the company. The fines Those on are top. in the thousands. Exactly. So I just wanted to kind of make it aware that not wearing a helmet because I that's why I was asking helmets, what, boots, glasses. They're all $195 in the first charge I know. by the way. You should just have them. Bring extras. Keep them on the fucking job site. And you? I don't have any more questions. Is it, is it, hurry the fuck up. <laughs> I can keep going on, but it's no, time. you cannot. I, 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 Michael, thank yeah. you very much. No I, th- I think we talked a lot about uh, this whole industry. We really appreciate the information you gave up. Absolutely. And Love being so again. honest with us, which is great. And it was such an amazing talk. So we want to thank you so much for joining the construction life. No problem. Thank you for having me. Get us out of here, Carlito. We got to wrap it up Sunday morning in another podcast. 
We're enjoying these, man. More and more and more and more to come. Interesting topics. Bringing a lot of information to you guys. A, boom, boom, boom. a 416 TO baby coming straight from Skylox. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>